Come with me to the book of 2 Corinthians, Janice's favorite chapter. I'll let her tell what everybody that chapter is. Holler it out, Janice. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. <laughs> and when you find that, go with me, if you will, to Ephesians chapter 6. When you find your finger there, go to Galatians chapter 6. Second Corinthians chapter 10. Ephesians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. And the Word of God says in 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, verse 3. For we walk, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Though you walk in the flesh, you do not war after the flesh. The weapons of your warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Let the church say, Thank you for my weapons, Lord. Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 10. When you have that, say amen. amen. Finally, everybody say, Finally. Amen. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Everyone say, Be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers and against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Let the church say all. Say it again. Say all. Take the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to have spiritual immunity against the fiery darts of the wicked. Every one of the fiery darts of the wicked. The church should be shouting already. And verse 17 says, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Notice the Spirit is capital. 
and even in chapter verse 17. And it says, And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints, and pray for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly and to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Galatians chapter 6. When you have that, say amen. I see most of you understand where we're going tonight already. Verse number one says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one into the spirit, in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, underline that word, bear ye an, an, one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he, ha he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Underline that, that word, burden. Go back to where it says burden at. It tells you to start with, it says that we are to bear one another's burden. But yet he comes down in verse number five and he says, every man shall bear his own burden. There's a, a different word there. We're going to look at that tonight. Amen. Yes. Praise the Lord. I don't know if you know it or not, but you have a mandate from Paul in the book of Ephesians to go out and fight a battle. You have a mandate to go to war. You have a mandate from your commander. And in case you hadn't noticed over the last few years here in the world, if you haven't really noticed that there's been a, 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 a heightened level of spiritual activity that's been going on, a heightened level of spiritual warfare that's been going on. And that spiritual entities that is involved with this have been attacking the believers of the body of Christ and it's been coming against the body of Christ full barrel. How many would agree with that tonight? Amen. So for this reason... I began to look at this and I began to ask the Lord what's going on. And, and one of the reasons why this is happening is when the glory of God begins to descend and it begins to come down, it begins to put pressure and brings the prince of warfare in the heavenlies. And as it comes down, it pressurizes the battle. And as it pressurizes the battle, it brings that battle closer and further down to us here on this earth and where we are. And what we've been finding out and what's been going on in the last few years, especially in the United States of America, but all over the world, is that the battle of God, the battle up in the heavenlies is coming down. The glory of the Lord is coming down. The Bible said in Isaiah that his glory would shine upon his church. So his glory is coming down, and as his glory is coming down, it is erupting the enemy to where the enemy is fighting against God and fighting against the church, and it has become so close now that it is showing up and manifesting in our lives. How many of you have been noticing that the devil is more active in your life than he has been in the last five or six years? 
He's throwing a whole lot more darts at you. He's throwing a whole lot of things at you. He's trying to get you frustrated. He's trying to get your mind messed up. He's trying to get you discouraged. He's trying to get in your finances. He's trying to get in your health. He's trying to do all that. And I want to tell you tonight that God desires to invade the earth and his house with his glory. And he is going to invade this world and his house with his glory. He is in, uh, desiring to invade this town and your hometown with the glory of Almighty God. And he don't want to stop there. He wants to invade the country that you are residing in with his glory. And he wants to come in and he wants to invade this church with his glory. And he wants to bring an abundance of a harvest to his church and to his people. And all the seeds that we have been sowing, he wants to see us receive that in abundance in the name of Jesus. Amen. Mark chapter number 4 tells us that the minute that we began to, to go out and seed the harvest, we, the minute we began to start sowing seed, the minute we do that there, that the devil immediately, the enemy immediately tries to go into the place that we've been sowing the seed at and steal the seed that has been sown. But thanks be to God, he might have stole a whole lot of seed, but there's been a whole lot of seed that has been sown from this pulpit that has hit some good fertile ground. There's been a whole lot of seed that has been sown by God's faithful prophets that's hit fertile ground. And the harvest is coming to be a, a plenty, and now it's time to go get the harvest. And because of God's glory coming down out of the heavens, the battle has beginning to descend, and you're seeing it show up. You're seeing it show up in the metropolitan areas. You're seeing it showing up in New York City in Atlanta. All you got to do is turn on the television and you'll find out quickly that hell is really just throwing out every type of thing that he possibly can to try to get all the focus on him. People getting shot. The, the, the police are beginning to be dishonored. I mean to tell you people 80 years old are being raped and all this stuff and children are being killed and people are out in the sexual arena and they're trafficking things and our government's involved in all of that stuff. Hell is really trying to stop the glory of God from coming. I want you to know that what God is trying to do is he's trying to get us not to a 30-fold and not to a 60-fold, but to a 100-fold harvest. He's ready for you to reap your harvest. Tell your neighbor right beside and say, he's going to let me reap my harvest. Amen. So bearing that in mind, the attack of the enemy, his entire purpose is to keep your seed from producing a hundredfold harvest in your life. He's going to do everything he possibly can to keep God's rain from falling on that seed. But I'm here to tell the devil tonight, you are going to get a hundredfold harvest in this year coming up, and you're going to do it, and you're going to move forward, and we're going to see and we're going to experience a hundredfold harvest of everything we've ever done, and the church here needs to be giving God some praise for that in the name of Jesus. Amen. But you know what? You will not get a hundredfold harvest without the warfare. That means you're going to have to fight. I want you to push that right beside me and say you're going to have to fight. In 2 Corinthians chapter number 10, the word warfare there is the word strategia. And it means an expedition. It means a campaign. It means a military operation. It means that there is an army that is going to war. It is literally putting your attention on the angelic army of God. That's the reason why we don't need to be 
fearful in this hour, for greater is he that is with us and in us that is fighting for us than he that is fighting against us. Amen. We're going to experience a Elisha servant period of time and a revelation to where our eyes are opened up and we're going to see how many angels there is that's really fighting for us. I want you to know right now, the Bible calls this fight that we're going to fight the fight, the good fight of faith. Amen. You don't have your brains bashed in and your eyes knocked out of your head and look at somebody and say, well, it was a good fight. Do you? When you're able to knock the enemy and knock his eyes out and knock his teeth out and he looks like he's really been through a brawl and you walk around without a scratch, that when you say, that was a good fight right there. I was that thing. Amen. So the, the power of God is showing up in the church to where you're going to be able to come through some of these battles unscathed. God is going to put so much whack on the devil that the devil ain't going to know what to do. He's going to bring his glory down out of the heavens and he is going to manifest on this earth. He's going to manifest in his church. He's going to manifest in your life. And he's going to manifest in this town and in this country. Once again, God is about to do something wonderful. But I want you to know right now, we're sitting back waiting for that to happen. But you know what? It's already happening. Already happening. We're in the middle of a revival right now. Sad thing about it, Biddy, is the church don't even know we are. We don't realize it. The revival is not going on in the church. The revival is going on on the outside of the church. It's happening right now. It's happening right now. All in the metropolitan areas, everywhere that you go, in the generation that Eva is coming up and it's happening right now. And it's happening with unsaved people. The church don't even realize that it's going on. It is playing out in front of them on YouTube. It's playing out in front of them on the television. It's playing out in front of them in the school system. But we do not see it. You see, there is a driving hunger in the generation that is coming back behind us. And it's pushing that generation. And they are seeking answers. And they want some answers. Y'all with me tonight? Amen. And right now, the church is not providing those answers. So we got to do something about that. Amen. How do I know that? Well, I see auditoriums that are filled up to capacity as they go in to see political commentaries or professors from, from certain colleges as they go in and they philosophize that Sean Hannity has got rich by selling tickets to go hear his opinion and Liz uh, Wheeler's got rich to go out and have these children come in to these auditoriums and Ben Shapiro, a Jewish boy has got rich by going and targeting the 20 year olds and the college students and they, they're bringing them into auditoriums and packing them out by the thousands and a, a fellow by the name of Jordan Peterson, which is a Canadian uh, a professor that is conservative he is packing out auditoriums all around the world today and they're out there seeking truth about the important issues that they are facing in their daily life and the church is not doing anything to give them that answer. Now I want to share with you something. There's no great big show being put on either. There ain't no fog machines to get them to come. Somebody say amen. 
while all this is going on to see all these uh, political commentators as they come out and they give them some answers there's no light show that they go into to see they ain't no music they ain't no keyboard they ain't no drums they ain't no bass guitar they ain't no place they ain't no dark ceremony they ain't no dark sanctuaries they ain't no none of those things that's going on but they are coming in and they are packing out these auditoriums by thousands to hear a little Jewish boy stand up and give his opinion about life issues and why they are there and what the answer should be and how they can fight that battle but what the church is doing, we're oblivious to the fact that these children are hungry for an answer and they have a hunger on the inside of them and it's driving them and the church is not providing that answer. So what we're doing, and I hope this makes everybody online get mad with me that's in leadership in churches that has done this because it needs to be said. What we do is we run out and we go on the catalog to musicians' friends and we order a great big amount of lights so we can add some more lights into the church and we can put on a light show to try to get them to come back into the church. Or we run out there and we run an ad to try to find the best musician that we can possibly find. It don't matter if they saved or not. We just get them and we put them up on there so that they can play this music so that the children would come to the house of God. It seems like that there's nothing that's aesthetic that's going on in this auditorium that is being filled up by these people that are coming to find the answer. But yet the church has went out there and turned their house into the nightclub that I came out of to try to get people to come to the church and it is time that the church stands up and get back to the absolute, get back to the church's mission and the doctrine of the church and preach the cross and the blood of Jesus Christ and give the answer and quit worrying about whether we're going to offend somebody with it. Amen? Amen. So they will go in and they will pay hundreds of dollars to go in and hear these little uh, young people or this, this Jew or this uh, girl by the name of Liz Wheeler and then this uh, uh, Jordan Peterson to go in. They would pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to hear him go up there and explain to them certain questions. And they just sit there. Whether they understand what they're saying or not, they just sit there. Why? Why are they doing that? Because they're hungry for answers. I want you to look at your neighbor tonight and say the generation behind you is hungry for some answers. And tell somebody else, and you've got the answer. I'm telling you, we can't even fill the church up anymore. Everybody say, oh, Lord, help us. We can't fill the church up, but you can take Ben Shapiro, this little Jewish boy that's a conservative fella, and you can put him on the campus of a college in your town and every protester against the pro-life movement, every protester that there is out there that is for transgenderism because he's against it, they would go and line around that college and they would sit there and start burning things down. But yeah, 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 the young children will bust through those protest lines and go into an auditorium and pay hundreds of dollars to hear their thoughts. And we offer an answer from heaven and we can't get them in the church. Something's wrong. Somebody say amen. So they go in there to hear things like this. I'm very glad that none of these opinions are actually accepted in academia and haven't been for over 70 years. Sent this here on the oh, well, Okay, so the notion that they haven't been accepted for over 70 years is a bizarre one, considering they were accepted until about five minutes ago. And the basic idea that male and female do not exist runs counter to all mammalian biology, all of it, not just human. Are we to suggest that gender and, and sex are different in walruses? How does this work exactly? 
Like, uh, are they different in bears? Anytime you have a, anytime you have, all mammalian reproduction is rooted in the idea that there's a sexual dichotomy between male and female. To obscure that with all sorts of semantic war games about how you feel subjectively has no bearing on whether male and female are categories that exist. And if you're trying to define male and female with reference to any subjective category that cannot be identified by any metric whatsoever other than how you feel today, I challenge whether that is scientific or whether that is merely a self-perception that is being guided by a political agenda. Now, I want to, I want to ask you here. This other fellow here. This is... In what sense is our society male-dominated? Uh, the fact that the vast majority of wealth is owned by men, the vast majority of capital and is owned by men. Women do more unpaid a labor. Very, very tiny proportion of men and a huge proportion of people who are seriously disaffected are men. Most people in prison are men. Most people who are uh, on the street are men. Most victims of violent crime are men. Most people who commit suicide are men. Uh, most men, most people who die in wars are men. People who do worse in school are men. It's like, where's the dominance here precisely? What you're doing is you're taking a tiny substrata of hyper-successful men and using that to represent the entire structure of, the, of Western society. There's nothing about that that's vaguely appropriate. So how many would agree with that? Amen. Yeah. So they go in and they pay money to be able to ask this question and get this answer. We'll ask you how old you are, okay? Because you're young enough that it's probably not insulting to ask you. So... I'm 22, so I'm probably only 90, right? No. Why aren't you 60? Why aren't you 60? Because... <laughs> Why can't you identify as 60? Why, what, what is the problem with you identifying as 60? <laughs> you're right. Age is significantly less important than gender. You can't magically change your gender. You can't magically change your sex. You can't magically change your age. You can still legally change it. People recognize You can't legally change your age, by the way. <laughs> Obviously. You can change your name, you can change your sex, you can change your identity. Just because you can do things legally doesn't mean that they are correct biologically. You could do lots of things in the past that were incorrect biologically and correct legally. So they pay money to hear that. How many would agree with what he said? Amen. They pay money for that, but yet we offer everything free. And we can't get them to come in here and sit in the church. Something's wrong. Amen. So what we've been doing, we were running out and we're buying more lights and we're going out and we're pushing out more smoke machines and we're going out and dumbing down the message and trying to keep from offending anybody. Just this week I had, and I'll call it out, I hope that they're here, a pastor over in Wildwood had told me that he is going to give away $1,000 for people to come to the church at the Christmas Eve and he had 260 people coming and they had the opportunity to win $250. I'm going to tell you, I'm giving out salvation and I'm giving out an eternal life up in heaven. I don't need to have to bait somebody to come in with money from this world. I need to be able to preach the gospel. Amen? We don't need to be throwing valentine dances and playing rock and roll music in the church to try to get somebody together where the pastor and the pastor's wife is out there with the children dancing and jiggling like they were down at the Cowboys or at the Spanish Galleon. We need to get the holiness of God back into the house of God. Amen? We don't need to have a bunch of Super Bowl parties to get the church filled to where they can have Beyonce stand up there with no clothes on and perform a satanic ritual while it's being played into the church just to try to get somebody into the house of God. And we definitely don't have to have drag shows to get people to be accepted in the house of Almighty God. We got something more powerful than Ben Shapiro's God. We got Jesus Christ the cross in his blood. And when we're going to rise up and begin to preach that there like it's supposed to be. Amen. 
The reason why we're in the situation we're in is we don't realize that there's a war going on. We're missing the boat. There's a hunger in that generation that's out there. They're looking for somebody who's going to give them the weaponry that they need. And they don't mind if you offend them. They're looking for the answer. Am I helping anybody tonight? Amen. There's a hunger in this generation and they're looking for somebody that's going to come into there and put their feelings to the side and tell them what the truth is because mama didn't tell them and daddy didn't tell them and they weren't raised up in church and they ain't never heard it. It's the world that has been formulating that thing in their mind and the devil has got them in a philosophy that they literally do not understand and it's time for the church to love this generation enough that we'll rise up amidst all of the hell that's coming against us and everything speaking against us and trying to destroy us and say we love you enough to give you the answer and the answer is Jesus Christ dying on the cross coming up and resurrecting and going to heaven and he's coming back for you and his blood will make sure that you have the right to go to heaven can somebody in this house shout out and say amen they want to know how am I going to combat these attacks of transgenderism how is it that I, you're going to have to help me because I don't know who I am anymore. They're telling me in the school that I'm pansexual, that I'm bisexual, that I'm this way and I'm that way, that I'm a girl, but I don't know. Maybe I'm a boy or I'm a boy or I may be a girl. I'm here to tell you they're going to see the professor and that Jewish man so that that Jewish man will tell them how they can fight the battle when they need to be coming to the house of God to find out how to fight the battle. Am I preaching pretty good tonight? But the battle is not with flesh and blood. The Bible shares with us that it's not with flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle that's going on. It's time for the church and for every believer in Jesus Christ to rise up and have an answer for this generation and give them some hope because we're supposed to have that hope living on the inside of us. Amen. We need to be able to put some weaponry in the hands of these children so that they can find out what the truth is. Someone in this house needs to say amen tonight. And we need to start asking them on every question that they bring up. Ask them one question. Just ask them one question. It'll change the whole conversation. Look at them and say, if this was spiritual, if what you're asking me about was a spiritual situation, how would you address it? If genderism was spiritual, how would you address it? If transgenderism was spiritual, how would you address it? If drag shows in the church was spiritual, how would you address it? If sex was spiritual, how would you address it? It would open up their minds so that you could begin to minister unto them in the power of God, covered with the armor of God from the helmet of salvation to the shoe of the feast. And we can win this generation because they want to be one. They want to hear the truth. They need to hear the truth. They're hungry for the truth. But us, we're sitting back and letting them die and go to hell and don't care. Help us, Jesus. Somebody say amen. amen. If you'd have told me 30 years ago, if you'd have told me 30 years ago that the LGBTQ plus community would be driving our politics right now, I'd have looked at you and said, you're crazy. If you'd have told me that men and women would want to
to go and pay for their sex to be changed and literally go out and change life. I would look at you and I'd say, man, that ain't going to happen. People ain't that dumb. If you'd have told me that men would be marrying men and women would be marrying women and men would be marrying cats and cats would be marrying women and men would be marrying turtles and women would be marrying horses and all this stuff, it would have blew my mind 30 years ago. If you'd have told me that gay and lesbians would be into the church and they would be ones that are, are ordained to preach the gospel, standing behind the pulpit, preaching the gospel, singing in the choir, leading the choir, being the deacon more, and all this stuff. If you'd have told me that stuff, I'd have told you you'd lost your mind. I'm here to tell you, if you would have told me that they would be having drag shows in Columbia, South Carolina, and Greenville, North Carolina, Greensboro, and Charlotte, and Raleigh, and Wilmington, and all these little towns out there bringing men that are dressed up in women's clothes to stand up there and play rock and roll music in the church while they walk around and grab dollar bills like they're in a strip club. You, I'm here to tell you, if you'd have told me that, I'd have thought to yourself and thought to myself, you have lost it in your mind. I'd have thought you'd been crazy. But you know what? Every bit of what I just mentioned is going on right now. There is drag people. I just I challenge you. Go on YouTube and, and type in drag me to church and see how many drag me to church events has been going on to try to get people into the church where your children, small little children, small little babies are walking down, brought into the action where they're up there dancing and all this stuff and they're walking around with three and four and five-year-old children indoctrinating them. And I want to tell you, if you'd have told me that my government would be supporting all of that stuff and want me to pay for it, I'd have said, hmm, you need some help there. Oh, am I talking to anybody tonight? I would have never said that it would happen in the United States. I said, well, maybe it could have happened in Europe, but maybe not in the United States. And I would have said when you told me, it ain't going to happen in my family. But it's happening in my family right now. And I would have stood before you and I would have said, never would it have happened in my church. But it's happening in our churches. Everywhere. Am I talking to anybody tonight? I would have told you that you were flat right out of your mind. We are at the point that the only thing and the only hope that we have is that a Holy Ghost-filled and powered revival hits the church and there has a power revival to a point to where there is a revolution in the spirit to where we will be able to go out and change what we need to change through the power of God. Amen? Amen. Everybody say with me, say it's a spiritual problem. Say it again, say it's a spiritual problem. So, if you take 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and walk it backwards, you begin to start seeing the process of a demonic stronghold. First off, he said, a thought comes in your mind. Then he says, that thought conceives and you begin to imagine and have feelings about that thought. And then once you have feelings about that thought, you begin to build a stronghold. So when thoughts, this is, this is a word from the Lord, when thoughts and feelings meet, they marry. And when they marry, they birth a stronghold. 
So if you ain't got your thought life right, if you don't know how to cast out the thought from hell that's been put in your mind, and then you start having feeling with that thought, then it begins to build a stronghold. If you're a married man, and you see a woman that is flirting with you, and the thought hits you in your head that you could have that woman if you wanted her, and you sit there and start putting feeling in with that, you will begin to marry it, you will have her, and the devil will birth a stronghold in your life. Am I helping anybody here tonight? Amen. So when your thought and your feeling meet, they marry, and when they marry, they have a baby, and that baby is a stronghold. So if you can keep a thought from being mixed in with your feeling, you can stop the devil from building a stronghold in your life. I have just helped everybody here if you'll receive it. If you know how to stop a thought and keep your feeling away from that evil thought and separate it and rebuke it and replace it with a holy thought, you will stop the devil in your life and you will live free of all curses, free of all sickness, free of all disease, free of all poverty. God will deliver you because the devil won't have no place to build a stronghold. I'm preaching a lot better than some of y'all are talking here tonight. Amen. Your focus determines your feelings. What you are focusing on will determine your feeling. Let me prove that to you. How do you feel about Hawaii? If I was to tell you, let's all come together, we're going to get on the plane tomorrow, we're going to fly to Hawaii, and it's going to be free. Do you have me? We'll be here tomorrow. Ready to go, amen. If you could go, you'd be ready to go, Amen. But if I was to say, all right, I'm going to pay your way, but we're going over to Baghdad. How many would be ready to go to Baghdad with me? Focus determines your feelings. What you begin to focus on determines your feelings. And what God has done in the Bible, what God has done in the spiritual, is He has provided you an armor so you can stop the enemy from having a place in your life. And that armor teaches you how to stop that thought from becoming an imagination and that imagination literally becoming a stronghold. So God wants to stop all of evil and begins to be the only stronghold in your life is Jesus Himself. Am I talking to anybody? Imagination is the biggest nation that there is on the earth. You can imagine it and it will happen. Amen. If the devil does not get a place in your life, he cannot build up a stronghold. Let the church say amen. If you know how to stop him and you know how to use the weaponry that God has given unto you, you can stop, the Bible tells me, every fiery dart of the wicked. It means if you know what, what your weaponry is and how to use it, that anything that the devil tries to do to you, he can't get it done because you have spiritual immunity. That means when he tries to make you sick and tries to kill you, he can't do it because he don't have the place in your life to get done. If he tries to come in and split up your church, if you understand your weaponry and how to use it, he won't never find a place in the church. If he comes in and tries to take your place and his place in finances, if you know how to stop him, you cannot come in and build a stronghold in your finances if you stop him. Somebody in this house needs to give God some glory because God gave you a way out of the other thing. Amen. Turn to your neighbor, look at him and say, you can stop every curse that hell will ever send to you. If you know how to use your armor. Mm -hmm. You can have spiritual immunity. But if you don't know your weapons. 
If you don't know the weaponry that God has given you, if you don't put on your weapons, if you don't go and learn how to use your weapons, if you don't literally do what you need to do, you will be susceptible to every curse that hell wants to put in your life. And the reason why hell is doing what he's doing in your life right now is you have given him place. And we prove that. Turn to Proverbs. I want to show you a scripture that probably has never been preached to you before. Proverbs chapter number 26, verse number 2. I want you to look at that. I want you to see it. I'm going to wait for you to do that. Because you can stop every curse of the enemy. How many of you realize that you're that strong? You're strong enough to put the devil on the do let's go. You can stop him. He cannot do anything in your life. He cannot move in your life if you know how to stop him. Let the church say amen. Amen. Have you got Proverbs 26? Look at verse 2. I'm going to read it out of two translations. As the bird by wandering, and as the swallow by flying, so the curse causeless shall not come. Now look back at that verse. I'm going to read it in a different translation so you might get a little bit of understanding. Like a fluttering sparrow or a darting swallow, an undeserved curse will not land on its intended victim. Go back and let's read in the King James. It says, as a bird by wandering, as to swallow by flying, so the curse that is causeless shall not come. So if the bird is moving and doing what he needs to do and he's flying out there and he's always busy and he's doing what he needs to do, whatever curse that is sent to him can't find a place to land because he's always moving around. And if you are doing what you need to do, operating your armor and knowing what your weaponry is and using it like you're supposed to, the devil can send every curse that he wants to send to you, but he'll never be able to get in your place. He'll never be able to land in your place. He'll never bring a curse to you because a curse that is causeless does not land on his victim. Somebody say amen. That's why I ain't worried about these, these witches out here throwing curses on me because I ain't done nothing to cause it. Amen. Amen. They can throw curses all you want to throw. You can sit down and have seance after seance. You can ask to project all you want to. But as long as I have not done anything to cause the curse to come in my life and I have not broke the hedge, it will stop that head at the hedge and the devil will not be able to come in my life because I am standing behind the shield of faith and it will be able to quench every fiery dart of the wicked. A curse cannot come in your life if it don't have a cause to come in your life. Am I good preaching? Deuteronomy chapter 28 said it like this, though, in verse 15. He said, but it shall come to pass if you will not hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God to observe to do all his commandments. Everybody say his commandments. And his statutes, which I command thee this day, that all of these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. I don't know about you, but I want to live a life this blessed. I want to be able to be blessed going in, coming out, blessed in my store, blessed with everything my hand touches, wherever my foot's going, I'm blessed. Somebody say amen. But the Bible says if you do not keep the commandments and the statutes of Almighty God and listen to His voice and follow Him, that you will have curses come in your life. And not only will they come into your life, they will come in and they will overtake you. 
They'll tackle you. They'll bring you down. Look at verse 45 in that same chapter. It says, Moreover, all these curses shall come upon thee and shall pursue thee and overtake thee till thou be destroyed. Right now, you're living a life and the curses from hell is running after you. Right now, we are living a life where hell has sent curses out in our life. And because we're not like the bird, we have caused that curse to come in our life. And it has come in and found a place to land. And when it lands, the Bible says that as long as we're not keeping the commandments of God, that those curses will come after us and they will come and overtake us. They will pursue us and they'll keep doing it over and over and over and over again until we're destroyed. But we ain't got to live like that. Slap that right beside and say, you ain't got to live like that. Say it again. Say, I ain't got to live like that. Deuteronomy 11, 26 says this. Behold, I set before you this day a blessing and a curse. Turn to your neighbor right beside me and say, there's a blessing in front of you. And there's a curse in front of you. But a curse causeless shall not come now your dwelling. A curse shall not come if there's no cause for it to come. The reason why the curse comes is because there's some disobedience in our life. God has given us the weaponry to not only stop every curse, but also to put the fire of that curse out for good. Oh my God, we need to be shouting in this house. God has given you the power to stop every curse that hell has sent your way. And when that fiery dart is released and it hits your shield of faith, the fire goes out and it can't never penetrate. But why are we walking around? Wore all out. Broke down. Busted. Disgusted. Having to borrow money. Not being able to make it through can't find a job. Why? Because we have done something to cause the curse to come in our life. Am I helping anybody? Ephesians 6 and 16 says, Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Look at your neighbor right beside him and say, He said all. Say it again. Say, He said all. So that means that we are spiritual immune. We have spiritual immunity if we are doing what God wants us to do. How many can agree with that? Say amen. amen. If we're standing behind the face, shield of faith with our helmet of salvation on, our blessed prayer of righteousness, our Lord, our loin of truth, we've got our shoe of peace on, we've got the sword of the Spirit with us, and we're standing behind our shield of faith, then we have spiritual immunity. Hell can try to take you down, but it'll never be able to take you down. Oh my God, I, if I was preaching this in another house, well, some people would be shouting. Look at your neighbor out right beside and say, We're where we are because we want to be where we are. How many's tired of being where you are? How many's ready to go forward? Amen. If the armor is God, the armor of God is able to stop every fiery dart and extinguish every curse that's been set on fire in your life from the flames of hell. If the armor of God is the power to do that, then we need to learn how to use it. Would you say amen? amen. Look at verse number 10, chapter 6 of Ephesians. He said, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Everybody tell your neighbor, I'm so saying, he said, be strong. Say it again, say, be strong. 
I am not against you getting up in the morning and taking your list out and say, Lord, I'm putting on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of the Lord of truth, and the shield of peace, and I'm standing behind my shield of faith, and I'm standing here with my sword and my spirit. I'm not against that, but that's not putting on the armor of God. It's a long way from putting on the armor of God. You see, we've been taught there was a doctrine that came through the church many years ago, Chris, that took away the power of the armor of God, and we fell for it. And that doctrine began to push this idea that the armor of God makes you strong. Armor of God does not make you strong. How, how much you weigh, Mel? 142, come here. Ben, come here. Extremely, come here. Chris, come stand right here. He said, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. That word be strong is a present active verb written in the imperative tense. It is a command. The Bible I just shared with you, the Bible said that if you are commanded to do something and you don't do it, then you open yourself up to all the curses to come in your life so that they will pursue you until you are overtaken and you are taken out. So everybody holler out and say, be strong is a command. You are commanded to be strong. That word be strong is in that present tense is a command and it means that you have been given the official permission. You have been given a certification from the Lord. You have been given everything that you need to do and the legal right and all the supplies you need to go forward and fulfill the regular purpose. Our problem is, is we have been told, let's put on the armor of God and then we're going to be strong. No, the armor of God does not make you strong. You had to be strong to put the armor of God on. Ben, go stand right there in front of Melvin and look at the church. Melvin, come up here. Stand right here, man. Melvin weighs 142 pounds. 142 pounds. Chris, come stand right here. Katrina, come stand right here. Right here? Mm -hmm. I'm going to help y'all out a little bit. If you wore a Roman soldier's armor, you had to be strong to carry that armor. Because that armor weighed 150 pounds. And you would march in a daily route 25 miles with 150 pounds on you. So if I was to tell Mel to jump on your back right now and you to carry him from here to his house, are you strong enough to do it? You go sit down. I'm not saying you back. Go sit down. I'm going to have to say a few questions. Come here, Chris. If I was to tell Mel to jump on your back and you had to carry him all the way home, are you strong enough to carry him right now? Yeah. Right, listen. Mm -hmm. Well, it depends how far does he live. Huh? It depends how far does he live. He's just right down the road there. All right, let's go. 
Suppose to tell Mel to jump on your back right now. And you got to carry him 20 feet. 150 pounds. Do you think you could do it? If he needed me to, probably. But <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe if he was injured and we needed to get somewhere safe, then yeah. But if I was to tell you that you had to carry him from here to the stoplight in Bladebrook, do you think you could do it? Well, what would the reason be? Huh? The reason is, I'm trying to say this. If you were going to put on the armor of God, the Roman soldier's armor was 150 pounds, and you had to be strong enough to carry that there, sort of, that there 150 pounds wherever you went. You got to be strong to put on the armor of God. So if Melvin is the armor of God, he weighs 142 pounds, and you're going to put him on, are you strong enough to carry him wherever you go? No. You go sit down? I'll be at the floor. No, 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 no. Come up here. Come up here. I wish I could say I was 142 pounds. I'm 198 pounds. If I was to jump on you right now, 198 pounds, and tell you that you got to carry me to my car out yonder, or you got to carry me all the way to Lumberton, big boys muster as you is, as young as you is, do you think you can do it? No, no, sir. Everybody say, be strong. be strong. If we obey the command to be strong, the curse will not come and land in our life. But if we don't obey the command to be strong, then the curse can land in our life. Am I made my point tonight? Amen. Amen. Let me add you a little bit more. That word, be strong, is written in the second plural person. What it means is, is that not only are you empowered already by the power of God to be strong, you are getting stronger and stronger and stronger every day until you reach your full potential. So you are empowered to be strong. Slap that right beside and say, you are empowered to be strong. Philippians 4 and 13 says, I can do all things through Jesus Christ that strengthens me. Every one of you just told me tonight that you can't put the armor of God on. But the Bible says, oh my Lord, that you are commanded to put on the armor of God and it tells you that you can do all things through Jesus Christ. You see, I, I, I'm 198 pounds and it would be hard for me to carry Melvin down back to his house. But if the Lord wanted me to do it, then I would have the strength to be able to get it done. Can somebody amen. say amen tonight? Amen. Did I make my point on that? Amen. amen. Now the enemy has a strategy. And I want to show you tonight how to defeat his strategy. Can I help you out? Would that be all right? Amen. Amen. The Bible says that you will be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The word wiles in, the, in Greek is methodia. It means to work by a method, to work by a systematical order that is a logical, listen to what I'm saying, logical and an effective a way to do things that is worked by arrangement step by step to where you can look at it and you would think logically in your mind this is the way I'm supposed to do what I need to do. But we are commanded to be strong. 
We are already empowered by Jesus Christ. We already have the power. We already have the skills in our life to do all things. We've been given an official permission by God to quench every fiery dart that hell sends our way. We have been given the power, the skills, the ability, and the commission to stop hell in its tracks. But we don't do it. You've been commissioned already. You've been told and certified by heaven. You are deputized by God himself and you have all the necessary supplies to be strong. So turn to your neighbor tonight and say, I am strong in the name of Jesus. But you know what? We don't seem to stop them curses. We don't seem to stop them sicknesses. We don't seem to stop them fiery darts of the enemy. We don't seem to do that because we misunderstand the armor. We think we put the armor on to make us strong. No, we put the armor on because we are strong. So, listen to me now. The complete Roman soldier's armor weighed 152 pounds. His helmet, his breastplate, the shoe, the loin of truth weighed 80 pounds. His shield weighed 22 pounds. His sword weighed a couple of pounds. But when Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 6, he left out one part of the armor that a lot of us miss. So tonight I want to give you an armor, a piece of the armor that we've never really been told about. In Galatians chapter number 6, we read it tonight. It said there to start with, it said that we are to bear one another's more burden. But then in verse number 5, it says that every man must bear his burden. That word burden there is the word portion or portion, P-H-O-R-T-I-O-N. In the Roman army, it is called the Sarcina. And what it is is like a backpack. It was their bed that they laid down, and in their bed they had to put eight pounds of food and all their cooking equipment, some water, some vinegar, seasoning, and enough of supplies to last for three days. And then they took a pole that was shaped like a cross and they tied it up on them. And although they had all this other weight on them, about 100 pounds on them, they had to take that pole and throw it on their shoulder that was shaped in a cross that had their daily essentials in it and they had to carry it around. It weighed about 50 pounds. So the armor weighed 102 pounds and the back sack weighed 50 pounds. So wherever they went, they carried 152 pounds wherever they went. Now, the Bible says that we are to allow people to carry their own burden. Jesus said that you got to take up your cross and you got to follow me. I'm going to stop this. All right. The Bible says you are to take up your cross on a daily basis. And there in that burden, the Sarcina, there was eight pounds of food, cooking equipment, Enough of water for three days, enough of vinegar for three days, enough of seasoning for three days, and enough of food for three days. Everybody say three days. Three say it again. Three days. Everybody holler out to the devil and say, Devil, devil. we know it was three days. That's important. What's tonight? Say it out loud so everybody can hear it on the line. Holler it out, somebody. Wednesday. Wednesday. Tonight's Wednesday. Say it again. It's Wednesday. This is the perfect day because you have, if you come to church on Sunday, 
Then you got Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, which is three days supply of food. All the cooking equipment you need, all the water that you need, everything you need to make it through that three days. And then you come to church when? Wednesday night. And then you have Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And you come back to church when? So you have three days supply to be able to carry the armor. To put the armor on. So every time you miss the church, you do not obey God. And every time you miss the church, you miss your bread, you miss your food, you miss what you need to be able to sleep and rest, and you do not be able to make it through, and now the curse can land in your life. Does that make sense? So just hold your hand up right now. Say, Lord, forgive me for missing church. It was three days supply. Am I helping anybody? Amen. If I am, smile at me. Three days supply. The, the, the commander of the army thought it was important enough to tell them, you got to have three days supply because every three days we're going to come and we're going to restock you. And Jesus, our commander in chief, has said, if you'll come where I have promised to meet you at. Hello, everybody out there online that ain't coming to the church and staying to the house and want to be cursed. Listen to me and listen real good. If you'll come where I have promised that I will meet you at when two are joined together in my name, I'll get enough of food, enough of supplies, enough of things to make it through another three days that you don't need to miss. Now, are you seeing why the church is in such a mess? Amen. I'm almost finished, by the way. But I thought that was very important to bring it out. Amen. Amen. So that part of the armor that Paul didn't mention in chapter 6 of Ephesians, he mentioned it in Galatians, and he said it's called your burden. Jesus said that you had to take up your cross and carry your burden every day. So now we have the 150 pounds that's been put on us. And I want you to notice there's that three-day supply. I want you to also notice that church is on Sunday and church is on Wednesday. If you can't come to an event that's being held by the church on Saturday, then you need to come Sunday so you can show back up on Wednesday. And every time you miss it, you are opening up the devil to come into your life and put a curse in your life. Amen? But I want to tell you tonight that God has already empowered you. He's empowered you to carry that armor. Am I helping anybody? Amen. Amen. Smile at somebody and say he's empowered you. In 1 Timothy 1 and 12, he says this, Paul talking to Timothy. He said, I thank, uh, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who's enabled me for that. He counted me faithful and put me in the ministry. Thank God that God enabled me. That word enable means in, in, in Greek is in dynamo. It means that he has made you strong. He's strengthened you and he's increased you in your strength. You are not a weak Christian. Smile at that right beside you. Say, I'm not a weak person. God has made you strong. He has empowered you. Christ Jesus has made you strong enough. I want you to look at that beside of you and say, Jesus has made me strong enough. Am I, is this good teaching for you tonight? Amen. 
And he said, I have looked at your account. I went through your account. I've accounted your account down. I've drawn the bottom line. And down the bottom line, I've said, you are faithful. So look at that right beside him and say, I can be faithful. You can be faithful. You can be faithful. You got the power of the Lord. He's already given you the power. He said he's counted me to be faithful. Let me give you a definition for that word counted. That word counted means he's called, he's called you to be a leader. Turn to that right beside and say, say, who are you leading? Everybody turn around and look at Mel back there and say, Mel, who you lead? It means to be a leader and to have authority over something, to be a prince, to have regal power, to have governance, to be a viceroy, to be a chief, and to be a commander. God has given you the power and accounted you down and said he has accounted you to be faithful so that you can issue commands. He has said you got the power to command the angels in heaven. Amen. You got the power to command all of the devils from hell. Can you say amen? amen? And the Bible tells you that you have the power to command the hands of God. We've read that before in the church, haven't we? We got power. God has commanded us through Jesus Christ. He has accounted us to be a leader and He's given us the authority to command the healing hands of God, to command the delivering hands of God, to command God to do something and we can move forward in the power of God. Amen. Amen. So He's counting me that way. So tonight, I'm going to read a couple of verses. Matthew chapter number 11. Jesus said this. He said, in verse 28 through 30, He said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Then He says, Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in my heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. Why? Because my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Come back here, Mel. Let me explain what he just said. He said, if you're going to fight in flesh and blood, if you're going to fight in the armor of a Roman soldier, you're going to get tired carrying mail everywhere you go. But if you're going to fight in what Christ has done for you, mail don't weigh nothing. Mel ain't 142 pounds. I can take him up and twirl him on my finger. I can push him around where I need to push him around. Because his yoke is easy. And Christ's burden is light. His pole that's sitting here with his backpack is light. It don't weigh 50 pounds. You got the power to carry it. Turn that around and say, I got the power to carry it. I got the power to carry it. So, in your flesh, can you carry 142 pounds from here to the car? In the spirit, though, you can carry him wherever you want to go. You can carry him to California. You can carry him to Asia. You can carry him to Europe. Because Jesus said, if you'll take my yoke on me and learn of me, he said, my yoke is easy. He said, and my burden is light. Everybody say, God's burden is light. I sit down and I got to finish up there. 
I got excited when I read it. How many is excited tonight? Amen. 1 John 5, 19 says this as I begin to try to close. We know that we are of God. Look at your neighbor right beside him and say, I know that you are of God. Then look at another one and say, I know that I am of God. But it goes on further and it says, and the whole world lies in wickedness. We know that. The devil has this social system. But I want to finish with Luke chapter number 11 tonight, if you'll turn there with me tonight. We're going to read from verse 14 through 23. How many glad you came to church tonight? Amen. How many's learned something tonight? Amen. How many's ready to put the armor on now? Amen. How many's strong enough to put the armor on now? Luke chapter 11. Verse 14 through 23. It said, And he was casting out a devil, and it was dumb. And it came to pass when the devil was gone out, the dumb spake, and the people wondered. But some of them said, He cast out devils through Beelzebub, the chief of the devils. And others, tempting him, sought of him a sign from heaven. But he, just talking about Jesus, Knowing their thoughts, said this unto them. Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And a house divided against a house falleth. If Satan also be divided against himself, how shall his kingdom stand? Because ye say that I cast out devils through Beelzebub. And if I by Beelzebub cast out devils, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore... Shall they be your judges? But if I with the finger of God cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man armed keepeth his palace, his goods are in peace. I want to read that again. When a strong man armed keeps his palace, his goods are in peace. I hope I can get it. I'm going to say it again. When a strong man, everybody say, I'm strong. I'm strong. When a strong man is armed, everybody say, I'm armed. I'm and I'm keeping my palace. When a strong man is armed, and I am strong and I am armed and I'm keeping my palace, everything I've got is in safety. I mean, hell can't get to me. I mean, the devil can't come take nothing that's mine. That means the devil can't take a member from me. That means the devil can't take a dollar from me. That means the devil can't take a day from me. He can't take no time from me. He can't do it as long as I realize I'm a strong man, as long as I know I'm armed, and I work to keep my palace. Everything I got around me is in peace. How many of you need some peace in your life? Amen. I just told you how to get it. Amen. Go down what it says. But... When a stronger than he shall come upon him and overcome him, he taketh from him all his armor wherein he trusted and divides his spoils. So when a stronger one comes upon you and overtakes you, he goes in and the first thing he does is he takes your armor off of you. And when he takes his armor off of you, he's able to go in and divide your spoils and take your goods. So what the devil done many years ago in the church is he began to put this false doctrine out that the armor of God makes you strong. 
How many's heard that, by the way? The armor of God does not make you strong. It will increase you in strength, but it does not make you strong. For you to put the armor of God on means you are already made strong and empowered by God. But the Bible says when He can get you to the point to where you are not obeying the command of the Lord, He'll send curses out. And when you are not keeping your palace, then He can come in. And when He does, He's stronger than you are. And the first thing that He wants to do is take your armor off. Hmm. So now do you see why the devil started telling everybody, if you want to be strong in spiritual warfare, start putting on your armor. No, if you want to be strong in spiritual warfare, then you let God, His Word, have faith enough in Him to believe that He has already said, I've enabled you, I've counted you worthy, I've made you a commander, and you got the power to say what you need to say, and because you're strong, you can go ahead and carry the armor. Does that make sense? Would you shake your head like this? But then he goes on and he says that he comes in and he divides his spoils. He takes the armor away that you trusted in and divides his spoil. Then he says this. He said, he that is not with me is against me. And he that gathereth not with me scattereth. So I'll wrap it up real quick. If you will obey the commandments of God, hear his voice and keep his statutes. Like the bird fluttering and the swallow fluttering, the curse cannot come and land on you. But the minute you do not keep the commandment, the minute that you do not hear the voice of the Lord and follow what the Lord says, the minute you quit carrying your sarpia, which is your backpack, your cross. And you don't carry that cross when you don't feel like it on Wednesday night and come on to the church. Help us, Lord. If you don't carry that cross, then you open yourself up for the curse. If you don't stand behind your shield of faith that is able to quench every fire dart of the wicked, that God has already said, you are my masterpiece, I have commanded you, I've enabled you, I've looked at your account, I've made you faithful, I've given you the authority and command you, and i put you in the ministry. Now you put on the whole armor of God. If you don't do that, then you're open to a curse. There are certain churches out there, as I close, there are certain churches out there that have focused on one thing in the armor. Oh, there's some out there that's focused. You need to put the helmet of salvation on. Helmet of salvation on. Helmet of salvation on. And you don't hear nothing about the breastplate of righteousness, the Lord of truth, and the shield of peace, and the shield of faith, and the sword of the spirit. And you definitely don't hear nothing about prayer. And you definitely don't hear nothing about the star sign and the backpack. Now I want to ask you a question. How many has ever had somebody that started going to the church and they messed up real bad, and you heard somebody say, "Well, at least they were trying." How many heard that? Amen. Well, let me ask you this. If I have a full outfit and I leave my house and all I have on my head is a helmet and I walk into this church with no clothes on, would you look at your mom and say, well, at least he's got a helmet hat on? <laughs> That's why he said, you got to put on the whole armor of God. Because we have a tendency to want to slip the helmet on and say, I got the armor of God on. 
We got the tendency to get up out of the bed and slip on the shoe of peace and say, I don't want to come down there and peace. But boy, you just as naked as a table. No, I think your best bet in that case would be just grab the shield and hold it up over yourself. would leave their house to go shopping at Walmart with nothing but a belt on. I don't know. I've seen some there at Walmart right lately. I'm beginning to wonder. I walked in there the other day. It was 4 o'clock in the afternoon. The woman was walking around in her pajamas. message when it is shared out and share it to these people that don't go to church on a regular basis. I don't care if they're in labor or not. Share it with them. So I know you got a favorite preacher. His name's Kip. And just because you can't get there, don't mean that you need to stay out of church. You need to go somewhere to be in church. Because if nothing else, you can go to that church and you can keep the curse of hell out of your life. 
on that three-day supply. Everybody holler at me and say, three-day supply. Now do you see why the church really needs this preaching? We're going to be talking about on Wednesday night for a while the armor of God. We're going to talk about coming into the loin of truth next. That's the first thing that God mentioned, the loin of truth. That's the most important thing. Without the loin of truth, your breastplate falls off. Without the loin of truth, you, you can't got no place to put your shield. You ain't got no place to put your, your sword. Without the loin of truth that hooks into your shoes, your shoes start falling off. I don't know about y'all, but I don't like to see these boys walking around with their pants hanging down to their ankles. I want to see some Christians that know how to dress. Amen. I'm talking spiritually. Father, in the name of Jesus, take this word tonight. I believe that it was spoken from you. I've studied on this for three days. I've taken two days to write this up so I could deliver it the way you wanted me to. And Lord, now I pray as I release it that your Holy Spirit will grab a hold of it and God, that you are anointed in the power of your glory. Father, now in the name of Jesus, let all of us leave here tonight with a fresh revelation and in 2023 begin to move forward in the power of God and let the church say amen and amen. Also, Father, bless those that are giving in the offering tonight. Give us the wisdom and the honor to use it for your glory. We'll be careful to give you a praise for it all in Jesus' name and the church said amen.